0: Praise God. So we uh, just started a few weeks ago a series on uh, how to know the will of God. And we have been spending a few weeks really on our heart attitude. And uh, because our, our hearts, our spirit, that part of us which is eternal, that part of us which is born again, is really our receiver from hearing from God. And uh, very often God may be speaking to us, but our receiver is not tuned in. Jesus said to the Pharisees when they wanted to know uh, if what he was saying was from God, he said, if you will to know the will of God, then you will know if what I was saying. So a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, in future weeks, we want to get into prophecy, tongues, interpretation, words of knowledge, words of wisdom, all those exciting things that Pentecostals get up. Ex- so I can ex- expect you to stand on your chairs and be running around and all that sort of stuff. But at the moment, we're laying a foundation of having a heart that is receptive to hear from God. And uh, uh, Wednesday, last Wednesday night, we talked about your spirit will lead you, meaning that we are meant to be led by our spirit. We have us, we 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 are a spirit. We have a soul. We live in a body. Our body is often called the flesh. Our emotions, our will, those things that get all excited and upset. That you know, that's that's uh, often called our flesh. We're not supposed to be led by that. We're led. By our heart, and uh, then in particular, God will speak to our heart. So, today we're going to do we're going to talk about being perfected in the will of God. Are we excited? Yes. So, you can turn in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 5 while I talk about Philemon. And um, Philemon is a, a little book, uh, an epistle of, of Paul. It's the last of Paul's epistles in the New Testament, if you don't count Hebrews. Um, I count Hebrews, but it's not official, so we'll just count Philemon. And uh, Paul, when he was imprisoned in Rome, wrote this epistle along with the epistle to the Colossians, and I think there was one other he wrote at the same time. Happy to stand corrected, but just not publicly. And uh, they, were s- <laughs> they were sent together, I think with Tychicus, and, uh, and uh, this one was a personal letter to Philemon. And Paul came across uh, Philemon, uh, he was saved in Paul's uh, Paul's ministry earlier, and Philemon was a wealthy businessman in his town, and he'd opened up his house to the church. Isn't that a blessing? It's wonderful, and we have been to two wonderful open houses this week. You know, uh, you want to know if we're a New Testament church? We're a New Testament church. Twice this week we have met in houses. Is that good? (laughs) That is good. And we've had fellowship, and we've broken bread, and we've gone around the words. So one of them at uh, lovely Abbey and Eric's beautiful house, and now the Rod and Eric is on Friday night. So we are a New Testament church, all right? So Philemon had, had a slave who escaped and probably took some money with him because Paul I don't know if we actually read that verse, whether it comes after 14, but Paul offered to repay anything that was owing to him. Philemon would have been uh, had a huge investment in this slave, and, uh, and the slave looks like took some money, some wealth, and went to Rome. And as God would have it, don't you love it when God has his way? <laughs> as God would have it, when he was in Rome, he came across the ministry of Paul. Now, Paul was in prison. So probably, now prison, that was house arrest. Uh, you know, we, we think of Christians as being uh, Paul, Paul, P. W. O. R. not Paul. But in fact, as Paul told the Philippians, my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory and your needs. And even as a prisoner, he was being amply supplied for. He told the Philippians more than once, you've sent plenty of money. So even though he was in prison under house arrest, he was still running ministry. And this slave came across uh, the ministry of Paul, got his life, got his got saved, got his life together, and obviously as he started to share his testimony, the realization that came to both him and, what is it Onesimus, did I say that right? And Philemon, who knows? I just go to my Bible dictionary and I press that little audio thing, you know. (laughs) It it tells me, who knows? They're probably just making it up. (laughs) And and, uh, so they came to the realization, the hard realization that really in God and according to good conscience, the right thing to do was for him to go back. And so this rather awkward letter was written. Now we're talking about being perfected in the will of God. And Paul is really... uh, Dir- giving directions, but he doesn't want to force Philemon to do what is right according to his conscience and according to what you should do now that you're a Christian. But he says, this is the will. This is the will of God for you to do this, but I'm not going to force you to do it. I want you to want to do it. In, uh, in Isaiah chapter 1 verse 19, it talks about a lot about knowing the will of God is repentance. Now, I was going to call this, this message, Repent. Yeah, thank you. Uh, but repentance, all that all really that means in that context is working out that what you want and your flesh wants is not the best thing. It's not God's will. So just change your mind. And in, in Isaiah chapter one, he goes through a list of things that we need to, they need to repent of. And uh, then he says, If you are willing and obedient, you will eat of the good of the land. Now that's an amazing statement because really uh, the Jews being like the rest of us were just trying to make a good living and to prosper and he's saying that's not how you do it. Deuteronomy chapter 8 he said you spent 40 years in the wilderness. God didn't want them spending 40 years in the wilderness. A couple of weeks would have got there on time but he said i let you go through for 40 years in the wilderness so that you will come to learn that, that man shall not live on bread alone but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So it's not that God doesn't want you to prosper. He wants you to prosper. He wants you to be happy. And by prosper, I mean there's ample for what you need and your family and to give aside. That's the Bible definition of being rich. You know that? God wants you rich. God wants you rich. God wants you rich. The Bible definition of being rich is all your needs are supplied. And you have ample, then, to be a blessing to others. There's no point. I love T.L. Osborne. I don't know if you heard of the ministry of T.L. Osborne, a great healing evangelist. And he, um, one time, another minister I met called Archbishop So he tells the story of how T.L. Osborne came up to him and said, I'm going to give you enough money to start to build build this church. He built a church that seats 10,000 people. And Archbishop host Hosea said, well, that's fantastic. You know, he's expecting a whole bunch. T.L. Osmond pulled out a $50 note, gave him a $50 note. He said, now, if you can't do it with that, you can't do it. No. But that was enough. Given, sown, believed on. Yeah. And uh, it was was renowned for having two pair of shoes, his running shoes and his dress shoes, and he gave away millions of dollars. So Deuteronomy chapter 8 says that I want you to learn to trust on me so that you can prosper in a godly way. Yeah. You can be perfected in God's will. And Isaiah 1 says, repent of all these things, of this self-interest, going after the flesh, all those things. And then if you're willing and you're obedient, you shall eat of the good of the land in a godly way, not a selfish way, in a way that blesses others. So Philemon is being taught to live in a way which blesses others. Now, he had every reason to say no, to take this guy, to punish him, perhaps sell him, get his money back, that it was stolen. But God wanted him to submit to his perfect will and to be perfected in the will of God. Now, have you got one Peter chapter 5 yet? That's good. Well, give me a minute. Peter talks about suffering 1 Peter chapter 5 verses I think 6 to 10 he talks first of all he says submit yourself or humble yourself under the mighty will of God or the hand of God and in due time he will exalt you therefore verse 6 humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and at the proper time he he may exalt you humbling yourself is really saying not my will but thy will It's having an opinion which probably relates better to our standing before God, as in God kind of knows everything, and we don't. All right? That's it. Full stop. (laughs) Okay? And he wants what's good for us. He wants what's good for us. But our flesh will say, I know better. Our flesh says, I bet, and Galatians 5 says your flesh, your emotions, your feelings, your sense of self-righteousness, the I know better, which is in the sight of all of us, fights against the Spirit. But in Romans 8, it says, when our mind is set on the Spirit, that is the grace of God manifest in our life, in our hearts, then life, the life of God is manifest in us. So Peter says to them, hey, there's, there's suffering, uh, there's a lot of things going on at that time. He says, "Humble yourself on the might and the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. Be a sober spirit, the adversary, of the devil goes round prowling, seeking whom we, we may take a deep breath. The adversary, the devil, goes round as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. It's interesting how the Holy Spirit uh, sandwiched this verse, which we love to claim. He sandwiches it being humble. That's submitting your will. That's yielding to others. That's not insisting on your own way. Then he says, but watch it because the devil is going to try and make you insist on your own way. The devil's going to try and make you rely on your own flesh. And then he says this in verse 10. He says, After, after resist him, stand firm in your faith, verse 9. Uh, knowing the same experiences you're suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. After you have suffered, everyone say suffered. We love that word. Don't we love that word? That's a real word of faith type. Word of faith, gospel overcoming. To so, Suffered. We are called to suffer. Isn't that exciting? <laughs> we are called to suffer. Uh, and I was, going to, I was going to, the other thing, I, I, uh, I was thinking of all these titles, Suffering for Victory. Suffering for Victory. I settled on being perfected with the will of God. Okay, okay thank you very much. Thank you, Miss. Good to hear some vocalization. I know people are awake. Okay, so but after you have suffered for a little while, the God of mostly grace or a little bit of grace, who all grace, all grace, do you mean He's got grace for the situation we're in now? Wow, He's got grace for the, uh, the, the needs that we have now. He's got grace for our emotional well-being, our mental well-being, our physical well-being, our financial well-being. The God of all grace who has called you We had to, has called you to his eternal glory. We, most Christians and all of us, we live this life like, you know, like it's never going to end. And then we panic that it is going to end. All right. The fact of the matter is our time on life is short. It counts, but we need to live with eternity. Because we are sowing now what we will reap in eternity. Now, I don't. Now, we are. You, you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you're saved, your sins are forgiven, you'll get into heaven. But the rewards is that God, how God was able to trust us, you know, we, we won't actually all start on the same playing field when the Lord returns. Yeah. Okay? And that's taught. I don't know whether your, your theology is going tilt, 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 you know, bang, bang, you know. But uh, I'm just thinking of these, you know, what are those machines you pinball tilt tilt don't like that tilt 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 but the facts of the matter what is done in grace in the Lord's strength that's according to his will by his might now we'll reap a reward from when you think of that it has to be that because we do not want to take flesh into heaven do we no so it's all going to be burned away okay So, hallelujah, praise God. So it says, uh, uh, we're called to His eternal glory. He Himself will perfect, confirm, perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish us. Who wants to be perfected? Who wants to be confirmed? Who wants to be strengthened? Who wants to be established? Then suffer. (laughs) Then suffer. We're called to suffer. All right, we're called to suffer. <laughs> what are we called to suffer? Well, there will be a time, and, and in many parts of the world, the Christians are the most persecuted uh, faith in the world. There are Christians now, we may be called to lay down our lives for the gospel. We're supposed to have laid it down anyway, we are. So that may come, but but praise God in our situation and for most of us, we never, we'll never never be called to suffer like that. When you look at Jesus' suffering, and remember Philippians said, said, use him as a role model who humbled himself. And after he humbled himself for a while, it says, therefore God highly exalted him. And if we're prepared to take this suffering now that we're going to share on a few minutes today, he can and will exalt us. We will be perfected. But if you think, when did the redemption of our lives begin with Jesus? Well, he spent you know, three years of his life teaching the gospel, but it began in the garden of Gethsemane. It began when he surrendered. Philippians 2 said, have the same attitude that Christ did. And when he said, I don't, Jesus would have known a lot of what he was going to go through because he knew the Bible. He knew, he knew the prophecies in Isaiah, how his back would be stripped and how would be, he would be beaten so hard that people wouldn't recognize him. And he knew that. And he said, I don't want to. My will is not to have to go through that, Lord, but if there is another way. And his suffering was so great in the garden that he began to bleed blood and the trauma And he came to that place where he said, not my will, but thy will. Our suffering is when we say, the majority of it every day, is when we say, not my will, but thy will. And that's in a thousand different ways. A thousand, we'll talk about some of them by example and we've talked a little bit about uh from jeremiah and jeremiah is the largest book in the bible jeremiah was a prophet they call him the wailing prophet i think that's unfair because he was he did write lamentations which everyone has their bad days (laughs) all right but but a lot of it is very victorious including about prophecies of the of the um of the new covenant and, and, and what God's gonna do with the children of Israel. But he lived at a time, he ministered for 43 years. He had two convents, two converts. So we're not doing too bad. <laughs> we're a growing church, praise God. We got a good message, we live in a great covenant, which he prophesied about. But in, in um, Jeremiah 40, really through to 44, a story's being told really about the ones who are left back uh, in Judah, in the greater Israel, who weren't taken away into captivity. And so the uh, the king of, of Babylon sent through uh, someone to rule over the land of Judea while, and Israel while some of them were taken captivity. And uh, a couple of the young guns, I think one's name was Jonathan or something, a couple of the young guns, I think one might have been called Ishmael. You don't mind if I just make up names, really, Fred and Mark, All right. They (laughs) decided... All right. Well, a couple of the young guns decided we're going to do something about this. And they took it upon themselves to attack the king, which the king of Babylon had set over Israel. And then you know, you've ever done one of those stupid things where you really take, you know, you take it into your own hands to say, to tell God how things should be ruled. And so they, they took it, they took upon authority to, to attack the king of, um, the king, which the Lord or the ruler, which Babylon had put over, over, um, over Israel. He then retreated up to the Amorites, I think it was, or the Hittites or the one of those tribes up there, far too uptights, one of them. And to regroup and then they went, Uh oh. <laughs> mm, bad move. Bad move. So they 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 said, Let's let's get spiritual. You ever got spiritual after you've made a bad move? I'm going to get spiritual. So they took an offering down to Jerusalem, and Jeremiah lived just outside of Jerusalem. They said, "Let's get spiritual about this now. Let's, let's bring God into the equation. You know <laughs> Maybe He can help us from our folly." You know They brought this offering down, and then they met with Jeremiah and they said, "We really want you to give us a word about what, what we're to do now." They wanted to go to Egypt. We've, we've really blown it here. We need, I hear Egypt's nice this time of year. You know, perhaps we should all go down to Egypt. You know That was their will. And, and Jeremiah said, I, I'm going to pray about it. And they said, whatever you do, whatever you say, whatever God says, I will do. I, you know, I've it for a few years. When Christians make these absolute statements, there's this little warning that goes in the back of your head. You know? Like the ones that come and they've been there one day and they call you pastor this, pastor that. And you're thinking, I'm not your pastor. <laughs> yeah. but I, you know, you, I smile. you'll never know I was thinking that. But you know whatever you say with this, whatever you say will do, whatever you, whatever you. So Jeremiah went fast and prayed for 10 days and he came back and he gave them a message they did not want to hear. It did not make sense to them. And God said to them, "Stay. This is where I've called you. This is where you'll prosper. Stay. Well. Has anyone ever heard that and you just didn't want to stay? I've done that a few days did you didn't want to stay. And they said to him, you're hearing wrong. You haven't heard from God. You're hearing wrong. So they packed up their little, put their, you know, packed everything up and they moved down to Egypt where the business was thriving, where salaries was three times what it is. That's all the, that's, that's all the pyramid selling, exactly. And we're going to prosper down there, you know. And so they went down because it just made more sense, you know. You think we would learn from, you know? It says in it says in the Hebrews that all these people are set up to be examples for us, so we don't need to learn the hard way, right? and that's why they went for forty years trying to learn. So he said that you will learn, get it into your thick skull, that man shall not live on bread alone. I will prosper you in the wilderness. I will cause it to rain. I will give you food. I will give you a pillar of cloud by by A cloud by day, a pillar of fire at night to keep you warm. When all the circumstances go against you, I will prosper you so that you will learn that man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Jesus went through 40 days in the wilderness to, to be tested. He was perfected by his own suffering so that it was, he knew solid that God was going to supply for him. He quoted that same scripture. The word perfected is like, um, uh, it actually means like to refurbish or furbish something well. You know, if you ever built a house or whatever, you realize the walls go up and the roof comes up. You still can't live in there. You need hot water, you need furniture, you need plastering. The word perfected means you you may be saved. You know about God but you've got a lot of realigning of furniture. You need the plaster in there. You need the insulation. You need the hot water. You need the taps. You need perfecting. And we are perfected by what we suffer. Because we are perfected by saying no to what we want our self-righteousness, our own intentions, our own striving to do the things that God wants us to have anyway that will allow us to go through 40 years till we learn to be humble and do it his way. The one who knows better and knows us better. He knows us better than we know ourselves. Of course, if, if it was obvious, we would have no trouble submitting to it. If God, you know, had the courtesy of agreeing with our opinion, we could submit to that. And you hear that all the time. I, you hear that sometimes, you passed it long enough. I've got, I've got no problem submitting. But on this occasion, I disagree. What you really mean is I'm happy to go along with it as long as I gr- agree with it. But when I strongly disagree with it, and I'm not talking about things of morality or things, you know, but when I strongly disagree with it, no, nah, you're wrong. All of us are placed in sin, whether at work, whether at home, whether at church, where there's godly authority over us, that we're called to submit and humble ourselves to. I've got them, you've got them, and in the end, we've all got it with Jesus, and there'll be things we don't like, which we need to suffer to be perfected. And so these people, Jonathan and Ishmael, I think that were the names in definitely wasn't mark may have been fred there may have been a fred in there fred's not here let's pick on darren and jane There was probably a darren and jane in there (laughs) they're not here they went down and of course it ended up that uh, babylon came and attacked egypt and the same thing happened and you know you run from god you can run but you can't hide you take you with you have you ever noticed that you take you with you, <laughs> and those same issues arise. And they went down. Then you read, and in the generations that follow, the, you read it in uh, Jeremiah, I think, 44, 43, 44. The wives went over to offering. Uh, you know, the families started offering uh, incense to foreign gods, gods, and they just fell right away, right away. We are perfected by what we suffer, and the majority of suffering. Is yielding our will, our temper, our pride, our fears, our hurts to what got to God's revealed will to us, both in the written word and also as we know by our conscience. He leads by our conscience. So that's a, it's a, an amazing story. They, they just said to Jeremiah, No, 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 you heard wrong. You, you heard wrong. It couldn't be right. You heard wrong. Um, I can uh, remember a, a pastor that I trained over telling the story. One, one day he had this um, well, he was one day he was praying and fasting, and the Lord gave him quite a strong, a very strong leading to go, the, to go and pastor. Uh, in a particular church. He later taught us, because he taught us on how to be led by the Holy Spirit. He later taught us, you know, when you get those really strong leadings like a prophet and also by prophetic word, don't seek them, don't search them out because as often as not, you know, if it's got to be really strong like that, then there's hard times coming. And he realized this because he had a strong word that they were going to pass to this church. And they went and preached there and I think they got 100% of the people voted voted um, 100% of the people, I was just laughing to myself, I wonder if I'd get 100% tonight, (laughs) today, maybe a few better jokes. (laughs) Got 100% of them voted for him to stay and he went in and he said it was a mess. It was the heart. He passed it for 12 years before he went itinerant. He said it was the hardest church he ever passed it. He didn't realize the church was just split, and all of them sat on one side. All the coffee people sat there. All the tea people sat over here, you know, and they would not talk to each other. He said every morning when it was Sunday morning, my wife and I, Aretha and I would get back at Sunday after church, and they go, let's just, let's just phone up U-Haul. We'll, we'll get them to back up in the dead of night, the wee hours of Sunday morning. We'll load everything on. We'll load it all in. We'll get away. They'll come to visit us. Monday we'll be gone. They'll never know. It's interesting. Rick Warren says something. He said, Rick Warren, Purpose Driven Church. He talked about, I think, the first four or six years they started Saddleback. He said, every Sunday, it was exactly the same. Every Sunday. It was just a, a few years ago, well, maybe not a few years ago, not too recently, but some time ago, I decided uh, that I was gonna ask God whether he really wanted me here, you know? And uh, I I gave him an option. So, (laughs) you know, when I prayed, I still got, you know, I got, you know, you're there, that's where I want you. But I thought I'd give God an option just in case I'd been hearing him wrong, you know. <laughs> so I applied for this job, and I told Linda I was applying for this job. It was, one of, you know, like I wasn't seriously applying for it. But I don't know, it's Just I don't know whether you think, sometimes I think, you know, at least I'll go through this process, and then I get to the end of it, not whether you get the job or not, that's not how you get led, but, you know, this persistent thing, as I honestly pray, I know this is where I'm meant to be. So I applied for this job. It was a lovely job. Beautiful little Christian school, nice coastal town, perfect weather, beaches, everything, you know. And they replied, you know, and uh, they liked it. And they said, what can you teach? And I had my first interview. And I almost told them then. And anyway, I think that was Monday. And then they arranged for a second interview on Friday. Do you remember this, me telling you that? vaguely? Yeah, probably wasn't too proud of myself. (laughs) I knew, you know, I knew. I knew. And so then I prayed myself that said, oh Lord, I've got this job. By the time you get a second interview, you know, my resume is quite. Quite long in, in teaching and been leading here, leading that school, this private school, this that and that school, and you know, like if you're if you being f- led by, by 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 fleeces, you know, you could you don't get led don't get led. It doesn't say in Romans eight, by the way, as many as led by the fleeces of God or the sons of God. It says as many as led by the Holy Spirit, the sons of God. But if I'd put out a fleece, I'd think maybe God wants me to do this. But I knew, I knew. I was called to suffer with you all. <laughs> Sometimes when we first got here, I'd go for coffee down at uh, Calandra and go, oh, well, someone's going to be called to suffer for the gospel. <laughs> yeah. So I, I phoned him up and said, listen, thank you very much. For I knew. But it was good in a sense because I certainly gave God plenty of opportunity. But God will allow you, God will allow you not to hear him or to suppress it, I mean, how, how, like, look at us. Look at how, look at you beautiful people. You're beautiful. You know, God's doing such good things. And look at us. Look at, how are we not blessed? Look, turn around and look. How good is this? And who got here grumpy this morning? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's not as if we're in, in Egypt or walking through the desert. We're blessed. Yeah. But we're perfected by what we suffer, by yielding and saying, not thy will, but, thy, but not my will, but thy will. Not like the people with Jeroboam, They said, not thy will, but my will. Now we're supposed to say, not my will, but thy will. And I was sharing on Wednesday night how the, after the first year at, uh, at Bible college, I wanted to come home. We'd spent every cent we had. We only had a little bit of money in the bank, not enough to pay rent that month. The business I was in closed down. And this And to top it all off, Linda wanted to send our oldest child to a private school. You know, which meant, you know, it's meant that we're going to have to believe God for that money. And I wanted to go home. I just wanted to go home. You know, I I had a a good job there. It was, I was still young. I'd been off, I was in middle management of school. I'd been offered the principalship of a, of a, well, it's going to be vice deputy principal to become principal school of what is now uh, the most elite, the most, uh, one of the most expensive private schools in the area. And all that was waiting for me if I came back and I wanted to come back. And, you know, I could justify it because we could do Bible college the second year back here. And you wouldn't have had any of that pressure, you know. But in driving, and and, uh, Linda had said to me that um, she believed God called us to stay for two years. Long and the short of it is, uh, you know, driving to what was a friend's graduation that had graduated. I, I knew, you know, you know, you just know down here. You knew God wanted me here. The victory that comes when you suffer by putting your will down, says in Philippians, therefore God highly exalted him. says in Peter said, humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God that at the right time you will be exalted. In a way that's not prideful, I didn't make it. I didn't do it. The next year, God provided us for abundantly. Long story short, God had been speaking to me about going to a certain part of work, a certain place of work. I just walked in. They weren't looking for people. I got the job. They gave me a guaranteed income to start with. That year, we sold a million dollars worth of furniture, U.S. That's about $56 million Australian. (laughs) Back in those days... If you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. We're perfected by saying no to our will and yes to his will. Another pastor told me a story of a member in his church that was, their life was a mess, he was a mess, his wife was a mess, the kids were a mess, and he got saved. And God, over the next couple of years, God turned his life around Turned his job around and, and he started to prosper. And then he got a job offer in another city that was like, I think, twice or three times the, the salary that he was in now. And he came and told this pastor, he said, I'm going to that city. Look, God's prospering me. And, and uh, the pastor said, have you prayed about it? You know, you, you, you're pastoring long enough and you know, speaking to people, have you prayed about it? Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. Like the ones going to Jeremiah. Jeremiah, did you pray about it? <laughs> he said, Well, what sort of church is there? He said, Well, I don't know. I got this job. You know, we need to let spiritual things rule our lives. We are perfected by suffering in the flesh. It's saying no to the flesh. It's saying no to the flesh. It's saying no. No to those bouts of temper. No to those lustful thoughts. And the Holy Spirit will quicken you and enable you. And no, to these desires which seem perfectly reasonable and intelligent and logical, they're just not God's will for us. He says in Isaiah, he said, you are perfected made perfect, you're equipped, your life is full out through saying no to the flesh. He says, if you're willing and obedient. I don't mean just obedient if you're so so. Just willing and obedient. You'll eat the good of the land. And Philemon, there's an interesting verse there. You could just flip back there. There's two interesting verses just as we wind up. So Paul has sent Onesimus back. Philemon had every right and even good business sense to sell him. Can't be trusted. You know, it sets a bad example to other slaves, doesn't it? Doesn't it? Has anyone had that experience with your slaves? It's a bad example to other slaves if you let him steal and just let him get away. No, he needs to be sold into Africa or something. And, and the apostle Paul writes this letter. It says, Philemon... Humble yourself. Realize what God's done in your life. And he says this. He says, he'll be a blessing for me and a blessing for you. He says this, first of all, verse 11 said, He was useless to you, but now he's both useful to both you and me. That means he was of no profit to you. But if we are perfected, by that which we suffer. Because you could imagine what the flesh of Philemon wanted to do. How embarrassed he was amongst all the other guys sitting at the gates. You're not going to be weak on them. You're not going to just let him come back. If you think of suffering as being, as being, you know, like uh, things, just FYI, BTW. We are not called to suffer for what Jesus bore on our behalf. Just understand that. What he bore on our behalf, we are not called to suffer for. Isaiah 53, right? So, surely he bore our infirmities, carried our diseases, by his stripes we are healed. We're not called to suffer. He doesn't, God doesn't lay on us what he laid on Jesus. But what God did not lay on Jesus was our will that we need to yield to him so that we can be perfected. And Philemon was called to suffer by laying down his own suffer embarrassment, what looked like a financial loss, and to lay it down. And then there's a beautiful verse in verse 16. He said, verse 15, he says he was separated uh, for, from us, perhaps so that we might have him back, no longer a slave. He, how good is that? Philemon chose, sorry, Onesimus chose to come back. Chose to come back. And he have back no longer slaved, but we've gained a brother for me, and how much more for you will it profit you in the flesh? It's going to profit you financially and in the Lord. And when we're perfected, Because we decide to do it God's way, to walk in love when we're persecuted, to forgive when we're hurt, to yield our will, to do things his way. We'll benefit in the flesh and in the Lord, and we'll eat the good of the land. Say this with me, I'm perfected perfected. through suffering. I'm I'm perfected through suffering. Now I say that so that you know that when those decisions come, you're going to put down your flesh, you're going to walk in love. You go, I'm being perfected. I was, you know, preparing this yesterday, and a few things going on around the house. Just joking, things. I think, I think, you know, like normal, my family was teasing me, picking on me, and I said, I'm being perfected. I'm being perfected. <laughs> Hallelujah. To know the will of God, we need to humble ourselves and realize that. When those hard choices come that our flesh wants to say otherwise, that's how we're perfected. That's how we know His will. Thank you, Pastor Chloe.